Joining LinkedIn can be very intimidating. For a lot of people, it's like combining the first day of school, first day at a new job, with your first karaoke, all rolled into one. It feels like there are so many ways you, you can put your foot in it. So what's an entrepreneur to do? How do you take your first steps into LinkedIn? And then once you've taken those first steps, how do you build on that and start using the platform like a pro? Well, this week, my guest is Louise Brogan, one of the UK's leading LinkedIn trainers. And she's going to put your mind at ease and open your eyes to some hidden potential. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday, I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. Also, don't forget to visit my YouTube channel. It's quite new, but there's lots of content there now. And yeah, that would make my day. Drop me a comment and let me know why you're there, that you came through the podcast and I will love you forever. So welcome along and let's meet Louise. So this week I'm delighted to welcome Louise Brogan to the show. Uh, Louise has been on the show before quite a long time ago now and I think your business has probably changed quite a lot which is why you're back. So Louise tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do now. Hi Bob, it's um, lovely to be back on your podcast again. I it's a I always follow you online and I'm always very interested to see what you're doing um, in your business alongside what I'm doing in my business um, and at the moment uh, things are going well I'm, I'm um, focusing completely focused down on helping people with LinkedIn in my business at the minute and really enjoying it really love doing it I think you're in Northern Ireland as well it's good to help people locate your accent because a lot of my listeners are actually further afield where they maybe can't quite pinpoint the accents yes so um, they might they might think i'm scottish as well then in that case but yes I'm, i live just outside belfast in northern ireland so in order for me to come and visit you i have to get on a boat yes uh, for is... now although some some politicians seem to think that one day they'll build a bridge but i don't think that's a very good idea no <laughs> so last time we spoke your business was really orientated around helping small business owners with social media in general mm -hmm. um, but i had noticed that you'd really sort of dialed into LinkedIn in a big way. What happened there? A few things actually happened. Um, as with everything in life, you know, it's not just one thing that happens that makes you change direction. Um, I had been working, so I was doing Facebook, Instagram, a little bit of Twitter, but people didn't seem to be as bothered about learning about Twitter and LinkedIn. And mainly Facebook and Instagram to be honest Bob and that's what people seemed most interested in and I um, got involved with an organization called Enterprise Nation and they introduced me to Facebook and I became one of Facebook's accredited trainers in the UK under a program called She Means Business and part of the remit of that was organizing networking events for women in business in your local area and my local area was all of Northern Ireland so it was a it was really a brilliant opportunity because I was the only accredited trainer for Facebook and Instagram in the whole of uh, I think poss possibly the island of Ireland, um, and I ran these networking groups and I helped people with their Facebook and Instagram, but I started to notice whenever I spent time on LinkedIn, I got business a lot quicker, 
um, and I got businesses who were more prepared to invest in my services, let's put it that way, mm. than potentially the people I was meeting at these networking, now the networking events that I was running on behalf of Facebook, um, people only had to pay five pounds to come to them. And there was no, um, there was no financial incentive for me to do it when I was, you know, it was brilliant. And I got trained by Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. And it was a brilliant opportunity. But I think as well, so there's, there's, there's the whole kind of moving towards thinking actually on LinkedIn, it seems to be people are there. It's easier, it's easier to win business on LinkedIn basically because people are there because they're thinking about business, but also the level of um, investment that the people that you meet on LinkedIn who are, who will invest in your products or services seems to be a little bit higher. Um, so I also was then working with a coach, an American coach, and she, it was actually her suggestion. And she said, why, why you know, rather than being a generalist in social media, I think that you, you have potential here to specialize. And, you know, I think, you know, LinkedIn could be the way to go. So it took me about a year to agree with this because <laughs> I like to work through things in my own time and um but also at that stage I I probably knew as much about using LinkedIn as most social media managers and trainers you know you know you know you know enough to be able to work with your clients but when you focus on one platform and you spend all your time researching and learning and training on that platform it actually means that you become far more specialized and people really like it because they're coming to you because they know you're the LinkedIn expert. Um, I also then start, when I, so when I started drilling down to LinkedIn, a couple of different things happened. I changed my podcast to focus on LinkedIn and I started getting speaking opportunities. So towards the end of last year, and it's really unfortunate there's no speaking opportunities now in 2020 at this point in time. Um, but towards the end of last year, I was invited, to, I pitched, I pitched myself. I'm not shy about pitching for things. Um, and I spoke at two conferences in and around London. And one, I was invited to speak at a con, well, I was invited to speak at two conferences in America, but I went to speak at a conference in California um, about LinkedIn in November. And if I had still been not specializing if I still been teaching all of social media that would never have happened so I think by me choosing to niche down onto the one platform it's it's been brilliant for my business um, and it's been brilliant for recognition of having that specialist knowledge I think one thing that I'm curious about is because you had a fairly strong platform across lots of different channels so you, yeah you have a good audience on Facebook a good Instagram audience a, relatively good you have a actually you have a very good twitter audience if i remember rightly mm. how did that translate um, i guess my question really is linkedin is often a very noisy place and was it that was it a linkedin audience that was responding or was it other audience responding with an interest in linkedin does that question make sense yes it makes complete sense and this is interesting because my business i sometimes feel like i've got two audiences so I have the entrepreneurial audience and I have the corporate audience and 
on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm reaching both of those audiences. Um, now, I teach people how... You, there are people who teach LinkedIn in order to get a job. So there's career, career coaching and training around LinkedIn. That's not what I do. I teach um, business owners, entrepreneurs, and people who want to be known for their expertise. So that can be someone who's in a professional career or it can be a small business owner and um, how to use LinkedIn to raise their visibility, whether that's because they want to become um, known as an expert or a speaker or if they want to win business um, on LinkedIn. But my other audience, who a lot of my audience are people who I am convincing them on my other platforms why they should be using LinkedIn. So the content that I'm sharing on LinkedIn is very much around um, here's you know here are here's how to use this particular feature on LinkedIn. Um, here's why you should consider writing articles. Da 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 da. Whereas on Instagram, I might be saying, "Did you know that on LinkedIn this happens?" So you're almost educating the people who are on the other platforms as to why they should go and check out LinkedIn. Which then means my work is really interesting because I am working with people at all different levels, mm. which I love. There's a few things that come out of that. I think with a, with any social network, it is, in simple terms, a social network. And people are there for lots of different reasons. People have lots of different goals at different times of life. And yeah, it makes sense that somebody does career training. And the other obvious aspect is building your personal brand, your authority on a channel. Yes. What are the most common barriers that you find people have to that? Is it mindset is it technology where do you find people struggle the most i think well it's a combination actually um the most common questions i hear in resistance to linkedin are fear i do i just don't know what to say um i'm afraid to write something because i don't know what people are going to say about it um or fear that they don't actually know how to use it or just not being up to date with how LinkedIn works these days and thinking it's just where you put your career history or your, your CV, your resume, um, and not really understanding. Like the people, when, I, when I work with clients, Bob, you know, overarching response is, well, I had no idea you could do that on LinkedIn, or I had no idea that it was going to be, uh, that I was going to get businesses reaching out to me so quickly. So an example, in, is and this lady is the perfect example of not the kind of person you think would get business on LinkedIn. So I run uh, free five day challenges a couple of times a year on LinkedIn that people sign up for. And I did one recently for people working in the tourism industry. And one of the ladies who signed up for it um, runs a sustainable ecotourism business in the Maldives. And she was kind of persuaded to do this five day challenge by um, the lady who asked me to run it for her clients. And at the end of it, she was just blown away by all the things she didn't know you could do on LinkedIn. She then signed up to do to get a LinkedIn profile review with me, which is one of the services I offer. And within two days, she contacted me to say that since she had updated her profile and started reaching out to people, two tour operators had reached out to her who hadn't heard of her before 
to see if they could talk to her about bringing her on board with their with their holidays they run to the Maldives. Yeah, I mean that says a lot. I mean that's sounds like money in the bank for a very small investment of time. Yes. You, you couldn't really get that anywhere else. Exactly. The other thing about LinkedIn is and I suppose this is this is another thing that I liked about it. You know, there's so there's so much noise on Facebook for businesses at the moment. And it'll probably just get more noisy. Um, you know, you put a post on Facebook and unless you're getting immediate attention on it, you're probably it's only probably got a shelf life of a couple of hours. If you put a post on LinkedIn and people start to comment on it or you get engagement on it, it has a shelf life of about five to six days. So huge difference in the potential for people to see what you're doing over on LinkedIn. I think one of the things that kind of annoys me with LinkedIn, huh. and I'm going to circle back and it's not really an issue, <laughs> but with Instagram, I, I'm very much in control of what I consume. Uh -huh. With Facebook, again, I'm kind of in control of what I consume. The, this sort of bubble phenomena of you simply get reflected back what you're actually interested in. You could say it works very well on those platforms, but at the others, at the other, the other side of it is you're insulated from an awful lot of things that that are probably valuable for you to know about. Mm. With LinkedIn, that doesn't work so well, and the effect on me is when I open my LinkedIn feed, what I would describe as my Hulk rage is triggered consistently. <laughs> And I'm a very calm person. But you are a very calm person. I'm surprised. Every time I open Insta LinkedIn, I just go, oh my God. And um, what, but what, what are you seeing, Bob? It's, well, the thing is, th this is probably part of the problem. I've been on LinkedIn probably longer than any other platform. And I have a, a massive LinkedIn network. Mm -hmm. And so it's what I would, I'm going to have to click the explicit button when I publish this podcast. But it's the volume <laughs> of shit posting. It's posting just to be seen, to be posting. Yeah. And I think one of the benefits of Facebook and Instagram is they're quite careful about what they show you in order to keep you on the platform. Mm. And LinkedIn almost is the opposite. But at the same time, the benefit of that is when you do post something, you know that that algorithm is actually working in your favor because LinkedIn definitely rewards good content. The, the, the sort of the posting to be seen to be posting yes type of content yeah but what sort of when you're working with people what kind of advice are you giving them about what to post because the the posting to be seen to be posting it it's not really helping anyone no it's not helping anyone it's funny i'm doing a i'm doing a three-part workshop this week um with 15 people which i'm loving and we did profiles on day one and and content on day well it's day two but it's across five days on day two and I was I showed the class an example of exactly what you're talking about um people are going on and creating the and they're really putting thought into how they're structuring their posts but they're not really saying anything that makes you even know what they do in their business um and there's loads of activity on LinkedIn that other people are doing that I don't teach and I don't really like um, and one of those things is being inside 
uh, a pod where you post this elaborate thought piece about um well they they normally have like a moral at the end of them or something mm. but the, you know i that's not how i post i'll tell you how i post in a minute but what these people do is then they have their little posse who come and all leave comments underneath it um so then i get shown that post because it's supposedly popular and engaging and i i they annoy me and i don't want to see them um, so I actually unfollow people who do that. So they're still in my network, but I'm not seeing their posts. Um, but what I teach my clients to do is to write something that gives value to your network or your audience. So for example, if you were in my network, um, I'll be sharing things that you can do on LinkedIn that can help you to build an authentic or genuine network around you. Or I might literally say, have you seen this new feature? Here's three things you can do with it. And here's a couple of ways you should possibly should avoid using them. Um, so giving your audience, you know, they've connected with you for a reason, hopefully, not just to build up to their 30,000 connections. Um, and so why did they connect with you in the first place? So as, as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, and whatever product or service you have, use, use your LinkedIn, the opportunity to post on LinkedIn to, to teach your audience in a way that gives them value, that they're interested in what it is that you're saying, rather than like, don't broadcast at people. Um, but also another way that really works for me in posting is asking people's opinions about stuff. And I've done this successfully for my podcast quite a few times, Bob. So my podcast is about LinkedIn and I have, I bring people on and we have conversations about their, kind of like you and I are doing now, about their businesses and we pull in little snippets about how they're using LinkedIn. But then the solo episodes, I will maybe walk through um, how to how to build a good network on LinkedIn or how to use the featured section on LinkedIn. Um, and sometimes I did a really popular one about how to get over the fear of posting on LinkedIn. And I just asked my network, I said, you know, I'm doing this podcast. Here are the reasons that people give me why, why they're kind of shy or scared to post on LinkedIn. And I'd love to hear what you guys think. And then people, you know, I got like 50 or 60 comments in response. Um, and I use that content. So I'm not doing that to, to build engagement. I actually do then take it and use it um, and, and refer to those people in the podcast so yeah I don't I don't really like like the same as you I don't like these posting for the sake of it I don't think you're doing yourself any favors and there's not really a strategy behind it either you know don't spend all your time on, on LinkedIn unless it's actually bringing you business the activity that you've got on there yeah something I work with my clients on is not hyper focusing on the individual post but what's the tapestry that that post is creating mm -hmm. over time mm -hmm. And when you are posting for the sake of posting, that tapestry is is just noise and it's not really educating or informing or taking anybody on a journey. Yeah. So it is important to have a little bit of content strategy, have, build in some storytelling. Definitely. Um, and, and it'll work really well. Now, you mentioned the featured section. Mm -hmm. I have not heard of this. <laughs> so what gives? <laughs> So it used to be when you did your LinkedIn profile and you have, so you've got your profile, your photograph, your headline, 
I'm kind of I'm literally going down the screen and you've got your about summary and in the about summary you used to be able to add in links to um, videos or blog posts or you could upload your speaker reel in there um, as a, a little, literally a little file that sat at the about summary and what LinkedIn have done um, people a lot of people didn't even know they could do that. I don't know if you knew you could do that. I did, but um, I, because I have been on courses, but the featured thing is new. Yes. So what they've done instead now is they've taken that out of the about summary sections. You can't do that anymore. And instead they've put in a featured section below your about summary and you can add in, um, so there's four things. You can add in links to posts that you've done on LinkedIn, links to articles you've done on LinkedIn, um, then you can upload media, whether that's documents or videos, or mm. the fourth thing is you can add links to external websites. So I actually have in mine, I've got, a, I've written three articles now for Social Media Examiner. So they are linked, they're, they're in my featured section. And I've got a link to my YouTube videos on LinkedIn. And I have a couple of links to articles I've written on LinkedIn. So... Oh, and also the, the workshop I was doing this week, I had it, I had a link to it as well. So I created an event on LinkedIn and I took the event and put it in my featured section. And why it's good, Bob, is because when you look at somebody's profile, it's a quite a big space and it's the color, it's the, the graphic jumps out at you when, when you're looking at somebody's profile because the graph, it's not like a list of features, it's not like a text list. It's literally like a scrolling window of um, mm. graphics that link to the things you want to feature. I've got it in front of me just now and I'm going to go and play with this later. Awesome. That's really valuable. Um, Feel free to feature one of my articles. <laughs> well, I will. And I have other questions, but they're for later. Anybody listening, one of the benefits of the podcast is I can ask my specific questions later on. <laughs> There's another thing you mentioned. You mentioned pods. Yes. And that's fine. Again, I agree. I don't like that kind of behavior and it sticks out a mile. And actually, one of the things you mentioned about unfollowing people is probably a solution to my rage. That's what I was thinking. Yes. So I will probably engage in that. Yeah. But something that I am seeing a lot and I'm seeing it also trained is that if you want engagement on your post, one thing you can do is tag a ton of people that have big networks in the hope that they will then come and engage in, in your content. And much like pods, although we look at it and we think, well, this is fairly bad behavior, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. Annoyingly, it works. Yes. What's your philosophy on tagging people like this? Okay, so you, you went halfway there because there's another reason people do it too. Okay. Um, and I'm really against it. But first of all, when... If you write a post and you tag 10 people or, I mean, people have done it and they've tagged like 20 people and somebody who has a large network, it's not the person who has the network that you are trying to get the attention of. You are trying to get the attention of the people in that person's network. Mm. So it is annoying and people can, un if someone's doing that to you, you can untag yourself from that post um, the three little dots on every post is just like a wealth of things you can do with them and one of the things is you can untag yourself on that post I don't like it um, I think you should only tag somebody 
in your post if it's relevant to them. Um, I'm trying to think. There's people who tag me locally here in Northern Ireland um, and it, it does bug me. And then the next thing that happens is you get notified every time someone comments on that post, which you could turn off as well, of course. Um, I, I do find it quite irritating. I think your content should stand on its own two feet. Um, and I would rather have genuine engagement on my posts from the people who are following me because they're interested in what I'm having to say. But you can see why people do it too, Bob, because it does push, it does put you out in front of new people and new audiences. And maybe it's something LinkedIn needs to really consider. I, I think so. I mean, I, I've, I know on Instagram, it's just considered spam uh, and you can actively report accounts for, for this on LinkedIn. I think it's socially much more awkward mm-hmm. because you can untag yourself, but then that gets spotted very quickly. And I've been asked, why did you untag yourself? And I had to explain <laughs> because for the next five weeks, my in, my notifications will become meaningless. Yes. But yeah, let's not let's not go any further down there. I was just curious to know what your perspective on that was. I, am I missing something? Should I be doing it? But but no, I don't think so. No. So for for new people coming to LinkedIn, what are the most common fears they have? They, people think that other people are going to judge them on what they're saying because it is more of a professional network. And I would, you do have to, you know, it is not Facebook and you do have to behave professionally. But what I would say is if you were going, so say it's, um, we're all able to go to networking events in person and you've invited you've been invited to a business networking event in your local town hall this friday morning just think of linkedin as exactly the same so go along to linkedin and introduce yourself and start connecting with people if the thought of putting a post on linkedin terrifies you then start by commenting on other people's posts in your network you you have got something to say and don't you know, if you are, for example, you're an Instagram trainer and you're posting stuff on Instagram, don't think, oh, flip, the other Instagram trainers are going to see this and laugh at me or they're going to criticize me or or whatever, because you're not actually writing it for those people. You're writing it for your potential customers and clients. Um, and if you can get your head wrapped around that way, then really what you're doing is you're helping people by sharing um, stuff that is, a, that is a value to them and that they're interested in. Um, but you've also you've got to start building up your network so a couple of um, I run a, a group program and when we first started I had, I had my beta group um, last gosh maybe last November and one of the members of the beta group uh, was posting stuff and then coming to me and saying well, look this is not working Louise and I said well, let's go and look let's let's pull up your screen and let's let's have a look at it and they only had um, like 25 or 30 people in their network. Mm. So you're not going to get engagement if you've only got a network of, of 25 to 30 people. So you do need to start connecting with people and building up that network and start with the people that you know. So start with the local business people that you know. Start with me and Bob. Um, and you know, see when Bob posts something about his podcast and you're a podcast listener, see who else is commenting underneath it and then send them a connection request and say, oh, I see we both listen to Bob's podcast and just build it up steadily. And then, you know, 
provide value to the network and you will get you will start to get engagement but it's like everything bob you know you have to work at it too how funny would it be if both of my podcast listeners actually connected with each other (laughs) and tagged you and me in every post from now (laughs) from now until the end of time (laughs) so i have another question about linkedin and that's really to do with well i have two actually one is groups and the other one's business pages yes so linkedin groups are potentially a fantastic idea yeah but they are the land of tumbleweed a lot of the time (laughs) (laughs) what is your experience around like have you is there a way to make them work bob i honestly i am in groups they are either as you say a, a tumbleweed area or they're so full of spam that you remove yourself really quickly from them um you know I don't go near them. I've, it's interesting at the moment, there's local uh, business networks and university networks actually who are trying to use groups and inviting me into them. Um, but because nobody's really posting in them or using them, you don't get shown the content that's in them, then you forget that you're even in a group. So groups are not, not really worth, the, worth your time at the moment. That was what I thought, but I wasn't sure if I was missing something because I think if again, if you look at why people are on LinkedIn, it's because they want to do some business networking. Yeah. But nobody goes to business networking events for leisure; they're there to do the work. So people aren't hanging out on LinkedIn the way they might on Facebook. No. And when people are on Facebook to, for their downtime, that's when they'll t- typically engage in that kind of room style behavior. But there, there's also, you know. LinkedIn Live, which is the live video aspect of LinkedIn that not everybody has and not everyone can get. And I'm currently waiting to hear. I think I think I'm about to get it, but I'm waiting to hear. But, you know, if you were able to. So at my LinkedIn program, our community group is on Facebook, which is so bizarre. But if I could create a group on LinkedIn and I could go live into that group, you know, there's just other functionality that needs to be added to them to make them work or for somebody who leads a community or a business, in my opinion. Yeah. It does just seem like a separate timeline. Yeah. Um, so that if somebody listening to that might think, wow, a different timeline. That sounds a, a bit weird. Anyway, <laughs> you mentioned Facebook Live. Now, I've applied for Facebook Live like five times. LinkedIn Live. LinkedIn Live, yes. When, what is their rollout? I mean, you're probably a bit closer to LinkedIn than I am. What's their rollout program looking like? Oh, so it's really hard. I've I applied. So I'll tell you my LinkedIn Live story and I haven't got it yet, but I've kind of been given a nod that I should be getting notification of it. I applied twice and heard nothing. I think it's what you write in your application that makes the difference. So one of their rules is to do LinkedIn Live, you're not allowed to talk about LinkedIn. It's like Fight Club. (laughs) And you know, my business is teaching people about LinkedIn. So I'm so determined to get it because you know, how can you teach people about LinkedIn if you haven't got all the functionality? And by the by, I haven't got LinkedIn polls yet, which is driving me demented um which is a new feature being rolled out this week um in across the uk it seems but anyway um so they linkedin live they they seem to have a 
they seem to have a huge backlog of people who've applied for it. Um, you have to show a link to a previous live you've done on a different platform. They want you to be able to stream for at least 10 minutes. So they don't want you know, Facebook Live and Instagram, going live on Instagram stories. It's all like a one minute, 90 seconds, two minutes thing. Whereas LinkedIn want to do something different. So my last application that I submitted, which is looking like it's getting a green light, I said I was going to do a regular weekly interview show on LinkedIn. Mm. And I think that maybe is what's tipping the balance. I think I have also filled in the application and I do want to do a regular weekly show there. But I think possibly what's holding me back is I don't have any published lives. They're all... No, oh, you'll not get it then, Bob. Yeah, maybe just fix that and play the game. Go and do a Facebook Live on your Facebook page. Yeah. Okay. Next question was business pages. Mm-hmm. And it also, alongside that, there's the whole question of LinkedIn articles. And as somebody who does regularly create content, if I, for example, have a blog post, that blog post isn't going on LinkedIn as an article. Am I missing a trick there? Yes. Okay. What should... <laughs> What should be happening with LinkedIn articles? Okay. Well, me, me, like anybody else, treat me as anybody who's regularly writing blog posts. Okay. Or, or anything like that. I think, so you're, if you think of your posts on LinkedIn as conversation starters, so you're starting a conversation with your audience about something, think of your article as a longer form piece of content where you are literally telling a story or explaining something um, to your audience. It's written in a way that you break it up with images and links and text. It's not a big block of text. Now that you've got the featured section, it's even better because you can feature your articles in there. Um, I think it's good for SEO on your profile. I think it's good for credibility because your posts that you write, if you write a post about um, let's see, um, why people should sign up for uh, in-person networking group, like I know you have, Bob, um, and the benefits of those. If you write a post about that in six months' time, we're not going to see it. But if you've written, say you write six articles a year, um, I'm much more likely to see that article that you've written. And also, if you write it in an evergreen way, you can keep referring, and I do this all the time, keep referring back to it so there's one that I wrote about um, how to write uh, your LinkedIn profile and every now and again I just go and grab the article and share it into my newsfeed and start another conversation about you know when's the last time you updated your profile or what are the key things you need in your profile and the whole article about profiles is there and people refer to it and and people engage with that content so it's almost like you know your if you have a WordPress blog it talks about having cornerstone content I think it's a similar scenario for me and what's linkedin's perspective on articles do they favor articles over posts in any meaningful way no <laughs> okay. that was kind of what i thought so but from a a thought leadership authority perspective yes. they're probably working quite well i think so so another thing a lot of people are looking at linkedin for is is as a lead generation platform and I think, yeah, you can get lucky in terms of you post something about what you do and somebody comes along and says, I really want that. 
But if we were to look at digital marketing in a broader context and in, in the sort of taking the sort of funnel methodology into it, if we were, for example, driving traffic to our website, we would at that point offer some kind of content upgrade. So if you like this article, here's a PDF worksheet on how you can go a bit deeper or, or a step by step or a checklist or something like that. Yeah. Is there a way that you can emulate that kind of workflow within LinkedIn? So LinkedIn lead generation, for me, it all happens inside the messaging box, mm. the inbox on LinkedIn. And I get um, a lot. That's where I get all my client inquiries from LinkedIn. Um, they rarely come through email. I then send them to email because that's, you know, get people off social media onto your into your email so you can have a proper chat. But um, it's you're raising your visibility by your actions on LinkedIn and you just say if you want to get in touch you know, send me a message or something like that um, I do have like I mentioned earlier I mentioned the five-day challenge so when I'm running that I will do, share a video onto LinkedIn letting people know that it's coming up and put the link below for them to sign up and they absolutely do that um, and I would have a call to action at the bottom of my articles as well if they wanted to get a free download or something like that there as well but it tends to be that they reach out in messenger and say things like oh i've been following you for a while and i'd like to know more about how to work with you or you know, basically that's the gist of it um or this is where going back to my have my two different client bases as well you know a couple of people contacted me during covid19 and said uh, Louise, we've been following you and we really like what you're doing and we'd like to bring you in to train with our team once we're all back in the office. Um, interestingly, Bob, in Northern Ireland, there's a resistance to me training people's teams online. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, so there's there's building up those connections and contacts, but it all happens inside Messenger on LinkedIn for me. Again, one point of curiosity for me there is if you were to have two posts side by side and one was simply here's the information I've just been talking about and that's it and then there was another post where here's the information I've just been talking about and if you want to get in touch feel free to message me would you actually expect to see a difference when you have that over invitation to take things further well actually how I would write my post is normally I invite people to tell me what they think of what I've just said. So I would never end a post with, you know, here's the information and that's it. I always, the, the way I write my posts is to get people to start having conversations below. Um, but yes, if you directly invite someone to reach out to you, yes, they're, they're more likely to do it. But I think with the activity that I've had on LinkedIn and you know, there's other people do it completely differently. It is very much inbound marketing. They, they come to me. Mm. I think what I was getting at there was that you have some form of call to action over no call to action. I think often there's a reticence to if what happens if I make that sort of offer to continue the conversation and then nothing happens. Mm. Well, okay. So if someone seems interested in what you're saying, I w and they're in your network, I would send them a message and say, you know, is there anything else you'd like to know about that? Or is there something I can help you with on that? Or, you know, absolutely say, if you want to jump mm -hmm. on a call, here's my calendar. If they've already expressed interest in what it is that you're, you're saying. And, you know, some people will 
write an article or a post and then they send it to you in your messenger and say, if you, you know, I don't do that. You know, if you've, if you've liked this article, then, then, you know, get in touch with me. I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, certainly I can see why you went deep into LinkedIn, because I think of all the platforms, LinkedIn is the one where I see people get anxious the most and the stakes feel like they're the highest because Instagram, Facebook, a lot of people put them in the fun box. Whereas LinkedIn is if I want to grow my business, if I'm serious about my business, then I need to properly tackle LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, it's scary. So I think that's a, and clearly you know your stuff. Um, so I can see why that's working for you. Thanks. Where do you want to go with it? Because obviously it's a, it's a couple of years now you've been building this up. It's, it's clearly got some momentum now, but you're not somebody that hangs around. <laughs> so. no <laughs> so where do I want to go with this so I have started building up a group of people so I love I love teaching people um, whether it's in person or online and I've started to build up a group of, of um, people I'm calling them my LinkedIn learners so LinkedIn learners lab is the name of the group um, and I'd like to build that up but I, I, I love speaking I love speaking on a stage um, and I'd like to do more of that more and I'd like to do more paid speaking um, I was also you know before lockdown I was starting to build up a lot of corporate um, contacts and a lot of corporate workshops and you know it's 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 well paid Bob that kind of work um, yeah. and I'd be very happy to build my business on you know working with my small business owners and the one-to-ones and the group program and then going out and doing corporate workshops and doing speaking gigs. I mean, that would be, I'd be very happy. I think it's really funny because my, I, from the last time I was on here, I don't know if I mentioned, like my, my sister's a teacher and I think really I could very easily have been a teacher. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I can see that. And you're also going to be running a masterclass for my community, which they're all really looking forward to yes me too so louise again i'm looking at the time thinking oh my god we've really been talking for a while now so we should probably bring things to a close and i need to ask you one question yes that i am getting really good at remembering to ask (laughs) everyone now what's one thing that you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago oh my goodness (laughs) well five years ago i was 40 so in terms of my personal life, I wish I'd started running. <laughs> um, but gosh, five years ago, what, when was that, Bob? Like 2015? I started the business around 2013. So mm. I guess really, what's one thing that's really working for you now that you wish you'd oh, not ni- been... Yeah, niching down and actually getting, getting up and out and speaking in front of people. So when those three conferences I talked about at the end of last year, when I speak in front of a audience at a conference, I get clients straight away. Mm. Um, and it's a really nice way to meet people and to for people to figure out if they want to work with me. Um, and I wish that I had started doing more of that and being brave enough to do that. I mean, it's hard when you're starting out um, and standing up in front of an audience, whereas now I absolutely love it. Like I, I had two conferences in Belfast last year that I co-ran with a... A colleague here and I think 2021 I'm gonna to have to do one on my own 
Um, so you're very welcome to come join us, Bob. I would love to. Hopefully, when we're allowed out to play soon. Yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, Louise, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Well, I would love for them to come and connect with me on LinkedIn and to send me a personalised connection, which means adding a note and telling me that they listen to the podcast. Um, and also, I have a free download for your audience if they would like it. It's a LinkedIn profile checklist. And they can get that at socialbni.com forward slash LinkedIn freebie. And anybody listening, thinking you know the LinkedIn profile, think again, because there's actually a lot more to it than you would imagine. Oh, 100%. Um, and LinkedIn cares. Yeah. Well, Louise, thank you very much. You've been very generous with your time and with your knowledge. I'm so grateful you came on again. And yeah, I can't wait to see you again. Excellent. You too, Bob. It's been really lovely. Thanks so much for having me on. Digital marketing is all about people. It's all about people and relationships. Spending time building your profile on LinkedIn in a way which adds true value to others will add value to you. What goes around comes around. So if posting garbage is your thing, expect garbage in return. Invest in an attitude of genuine service and create great content and network well and expect to see some great results. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and if you haven't already, to join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or just head to amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out at Bob Gentle. And if you do, let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me and it's the best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Louise for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. See you next week.